Welcome to the First Mentor Podcast. Here, you will hear us talk about a variety of topics for the entire family that will hopefully spark a discussion, create a new curiosity, or simply teach you something new. The goal is to inspire you to learn life skills and soft skills not taught in school and prepare you to live an extraordinary life. Come on and spend some time with us on your commute to school or anytime you're free. mentees and family of mentees, thank you so much for joining us for another episode of the First Mentor Podcast. And this is your host and mentor, Vanessa Yang. And as we mentioned in part one of our interview with Dr. Brandon Pham several weeks ago, episode 83 to be exact, we discussed basics of eye-related vocabulary and how we can take preventative measures for this very important part of our body. Now, in this episode today, we will dive deeper into the options that you have to treat your eyes when they no longer function optionally. You will also learn about common eye diseases that might occur once we age today. And we at First Mentor Street would like to thank you for your continued support by subscribing and sharing First Mentor Podcast with your friends and family. And if you would like to take your support to the next level, we would absolutely love it if you can buy us a boba tea by visiting buymeacoffee.com forward slash First Mentor Street. Now, without further delay, let's continue our interview with Brendan. And let's talk about the treatment options a little bit. We all know that if you can't see, glasses is probably your number one option that we all tend to go to first. But there are other options. As I started looking into it, I dealt with glasses and contacts when I was younger. And I remember that I had to learn there were hard lenses and soft lenses. I didn't know there was a differentiation in my teenage years. And now Mm -hmm. I started hearing about something called Ortho-K. And I'm sure there's more that I'm not familiar with either. So let's enlighten the audience a little bit and, and share with them the different options if they realize, oh, no, I can't really see that well anymore. What are the choices they have? So glasses we talked about is one option, and it's sort of the mainstay. A lot of people will wear glasses. If, on the other hand, you know, you go swimming a lot or play sports or, you know, are tired of your glasses getting fogged up because you're wearing masks mm-hmm. because it's COVID or whatever reason, you can wear contact lenses. And there's so many different options when it comes to contacts. So we have soft contact lenses. Um, those generally are disposable in the sense they have a certain lifespan. So you can get daily contact lenses. You can get ones that are weekly, bi-weekly. You can get ones that are monthly. Of course, you, you'll take them off at the end of the day, put them in a solution, um, clean them, and then put them on the next day. If they're dailies, you would just throw them out and put in a new pair. Those, I think, are probably the most commonly used, the soft contact lenses. There's pros and cons of those. Those are generally pretty comfortable. You can care for them quite easily as well, especially if they're dailies. You just kind of throw them away once you're done. We have all these different contact lens solutions that we can use to, to clean these lenses and keep them 
them from causing an infection in your eye, which is very mm -hmm. important because yes. contact lenses actually increase your risk for an infection. There's also hard contact lenses. Um, we actually call them rigid gas permeable lenses. It means it allows oxygen to diffuse from the atmosphere into our, our eye because oxygen is very important. There's pros and cons of those. They're rigid, so they can be a little bit less comfortable for certain yeah. people and it takes some getting used to. They do have the advantage though of generally providing a clearer and more crisp vision if compared directly to a soft contact lens. Mm -hmm. The other things too with the, the rigid gas permeable lenses is that the discomfort and the fact that some kids, it may be more difficult to take care of them, makes it less attractive of choice. Mm -hmm. That's basically the rigid gas permeable. They're more durable and they're also more resistant to debris buildup, but you know they can be less comfortable and, and sometimes even harder to take care of. There are also another type of hard contact lens that you actually wear at nighttime. Mm -hmm. So both the ones that I've talked about so far, you wear during the daytime, you take them off at night. So you had mentioned Ortho-K. So these are basically rigid gas permeable lenses. So they're hard contact lenses that kids or teenagers can wear at nighttime. And because the lenses are hard, they can actually reshape the surface of your eye, right? Mm -hmm. the, the, right. the cornea, actually. There are advantages of those, namely that you go swimming and you're tired of opening your eyes underwater when your contact lens just falls off, or maybe you don't like the feeling of, of contact lenses in your eyes during the daytime because they make your eyes dry, which is another side effect of contacts. Mm -hmm. um, right. Maybe it would be helpful just to wear them at night so you don't have to worry about them during the day. Those are a lot of advantages. Generally, it takes like one to two weeks to, for the contact lens to actually change the shape of your eye. Mm -hmm. So that's one disadvantage. Whereas if you just buy a pair of glasses, boom, you put them on perfect vision or that's a right. pair of soft contact lenses or, or normal hard contact lenses. Another disadvantage is that late at night, um, the effect of the reshaping of your eye actually can sometimes wear off. Mm -hmm. So maybe at 8am, as soon as you take off your glasses, your eyes are sort of reshaped and your vision is perfect. Um, but by 8 p.m., 9 p.m., your eye is kind of going back to its original shape mm -hmm. uh, and your vision is now blurry. And it's hard to fix because there's not a pair of glasses that you can put on because yeah. that prescription is constantly changing. That's right. So that's actually a disadvantage. And, and, and Ortho-K, that's probably one of the biggest reasons that it's not as often used is simply because it takes a long time for people to get that perfect vision. You, you also have to wear it for eight hours at yes. least at nighttime. Which is hard for teenagers. <laughs> right, exactly. So if you don't get that amount of sleep, you, you may not even be able to wake up with clear vision. And the fact that late at night, your vision is not perfect and it's difficult to, to put on a pair of glasses to fix it. Um, those are the main disadvantages of OrthoK. But yeah. if if you're a swimmer and you just don't want to wear uh, contact lenses during the day, it, it it is an option for you. Yeah, I personally experience wearing soft contact lenses and the hard ones when I was actually younger I wore the hard ones just like I said I, I think I saw better mm -hmm. but when I had I remember an eyelash stuck between that hurt so much and it's not easy to take out you oh, need yeah. that device to help you out like at home we mm -hmm. call it the plunger I remember I went <laughs> to an event to, to a party when I was younger and I forgot to bring it and I could not get the contact lens out and it was hurting so much my eyes was watering 
So later on, I switched to soft contact lenses because you could just squeeze them. But mm -hmm. the first time it was scary because I always felt like, oh, I need to poke into my eye to get something out. And I've never done this before. It takes a little bit of time getting over it, right? With soft contact lenses, you can't have super long nails either yes. because you're pinching your eyes. Whereas if you're with hard ones, you can use the plunger and, and get get away with. And I've heard, I mean, friends who have kids that used Ortho-K before, and I know my family member uses it too. There is advantages and disadvantages, just like you said before. But our personal experience has been, at least stories that I've been told, if if you get your kids to wear it at a younger age, their eyesight actually stabilizes. Has this been your experience as well, based on all your studies? It's certainly possible. It's kind of like um, braces. So mm. it can stabilize a little bit. So what I'm talking about with braces is like, you know, if you go into the orthodontist and put on braces put on as a teenager, after you get your braces removed, your teeth are not going to just stay in that position for the rest of your life. That's why they always tell you to wear that retainer. Mm. And a lot of times you, you have to wear the retainer like for 16 hours a day for the first two weeks, because all of our mouths and all of our eyes have their own sort of natural equilibrium state mm -hmm. that they want to exist in. And so if you don't wear your retainer, as, as soon as you get your braces off, your teeth are going to move and they're going to move closer and closer back to their original positions. Mm -hmm. mm. And so your parents who spent thousands of dollars on your braces are not going to be <laughs> so happy. Although it's possible that in those two years that you wore your braces, your teeth, if, if you don't wear a retainer for the rest of your life, your teeth may not go exactly back to their original position, but they will move back closer to it where it will mm. no longer be perfect. Mm -hmm. And the same way with Ortho-K, it can make your equilibrium eye shape a little bit different down the line, but it will not be the perfect vision that you had with the ortho K mm. while wearing those contact lenses every day. Yes. And if it's not perfect, that means it needs to be corrected. So is it going to be corrected with contact lenses or glass? And you get to that same problem. I so see. even if it helps stabilize your eyes, it'll still need to be corrected down the line. That's not the best reason to use it because your vision will still need to be corrected. And of course, there's also the option of laser eye surgery. A lot of my adult friends have considered it or actually taken advantage of it. And so did I. But I think in hindsight, I did it way too young. And that's what I wanted to talk mm. to our audience about. I remember I was pretty nearsighted as a teenager and I really hated my glasses because I always joked on my, I don't have the nose for the glasses because my glasses keep shifting. And I was really irritated as a teenager having to shift my glasses back up. I researched and I came across laser eye surgery. And when I was a teenager, it was a long, long time ago. The technology was not as advanced as it is today. And when I was a, a young adult, I looked into it again because at 16, I talked to my eye doctor and they're like, no, you're way too young can't do this. Mm -hmm. And at 20, I forgot, my, sometimes in my early 20s, I looked into it again. And I got laser eye surgery in my early 20s, but mm -hmm. it came back, I, my eyes got worse. And what mm -hmm. I've learned from everything later on was like, wait, I have to wait until my eyes stabilize to do it. But nobody told me back then. So that's a mistake I've learned. And I wanted to have you share with our listeners a little bit more about, you know, what your advice is to them if they consider laser eye surgery. That's a great point. The FDA has only approved LASIK for people who are 18 or older, but 18 is absolutely not an age that is recommended mm -hmm. to get laser eye surgery because we know that our eyes can continue to change in prescription 
well into the mid to late 20s. The recommendation is some people can get away with getting laser eye surgery in their early 20s if their prescription has been stable every single year for many, many years. Mm -hmm. But generally, most practitioners, and myself included, will not recommend laser eye surgery until they're at least in their mid-20s and their prescription has been stable and has not changed for several years. And the reason is there are measurements that are done that are very precise during the laser eye surgery. And that's based on your current prescription. But as soon as, you know, if your eyes are not stable and they get worse, now your eyes are, you know, a a little bit off. And so the question is, okay, well, do you correct it with a pair of glasses or contact lens or do another set of surgery? But you can't keep on doing the surgery over and over again. Mm -hmm. Because every surgery has risks, every surgery, you know, if you do LASIK, for example, involves, you know, a, a, either a laser or a, a, a knife that creates a corneal flap, and then it's open and you shine a laser onto the, to the cornea to, to ablate the tissue and, and make it um, basically refract light less so it can focus in the back of your eye. Um, all that is to say that it, you don't want LASIK multiple times. And so you want to wait until your prescription is stable before getting the surgery. And often that's in your mid twenties or even beyond that. Yeah. See, I didn't know that. And nobody told me it was great for a few years, but not much longer than that. Yeah. Yeah. But I wanted to ask you, Brandon, are there any other recent developments that I might not have heard of when it comes to, you know, improving your eyesight? I think in every single, um, pathology eye disease um, that exists. Over the past decade, we've learned so much more about treatments, prevention. You know, if if your eyes are generally stable and you don't have any specific eye problem like glaucoma, cataracts, age-related macular degeneration, um, anything like that, then there's no real recommendation. Obviously, it's just the same things, diet, exercise, taking breaks, limiting eye fatigue and strain and things like that. Um, but, you know, if if you have any of these conditions, the way that we do cataract surgery these days are extremely advanced. And we have different types of lenses called multifocal lenses where you can see both near and far very well after cataract surgery. That's not typically what happens after cataract surgery. You, you need to wear a pair of monofocals to see close. Um, so there's advances in that standpoint, the way that we treat age-related macular degeneration um, with first preventing it with vitamins. Um, it's called an A-red supplementation with vitamin C, E, lutein, zeaxanthine, zinc, copper, the way that we treat glaucoma with, with different eye drops that keep the pressure as low. Those are generally for people with eye diseases. If you just have a problem with like dry eye or you're nearsighted and need a pair of glasses, the preventions that I mentioned with diet and exercise are, are more than enough. There's no magic pill or, you know, thing that <laughs> you yet. can take to, to, to prevent your eyes from getting worse. We'll Got all it. get cataracts as we age. We'll all get presbyopia as we age. Many of us will get age-related macular degeneration as well. I know throughout our discussion so far, you mentioned some of the eye diseases a few times, but let's mm-hmm. talk about them very specifically. What are yeah. the top three to five eye disease that you see a lot when yeah. people get older, but mm-hmm. they could have been prevented when they're younger. This is not to scare young listeners, but in a way just to make them aware. 
Some eye diseases are not preventable. No matter how well you take care of your eyes, you still may get some of these diseases, but you can certainly do things that decrease the risk of these things happening in the future. So cataracts are something that occur with age generally, but also there are certain risk factors for developing certain types of cataracts. So for example, patients with diabetes have a higher risk of developing certain types of cataracts at a very early age. And so to prevent diabetes, things like limiting sugar intake, good diet and exercise, limiting the amount of processed foods that you eat, lots of fruits and vegetables. The main thing really with cataracts is, is sun exposure. So, you know, wearing sunglasses, um, having your eyes be protected when you go outside is very important. Sun also increases your risk for age. Just to talk briefly more about cataracts, the lens is inside of your eye. It's transparent. It's what allows us to focus light. Cataracts occur when that lens becomes cloudy. When that becomes cloudy, your vision gets worse very quickly, right? The symptoms that you'll notice is you'll be driving on the highway and the lights, there'll be like these big halos around mm -hmm. them yeah. where it's really hard to see at night. And then everything during the day, like the colors are faded and pictures that you see in photo albums or when you go on vacations and go hiking, just nothing's as beautiful as they are before. Mm -hmm. Those are the symptoms of cataracts. Got it. Definitely taking care of your eyes as a, at a young age will help prevent those. Although, you know, some people will still develop them no matter how well you took care of your eyes. Age-related macular degeneration refers to basically a, a problem with your retina. The, the macula is just a region of the retina that allows you to see your central vision. As we age, we can have problems in that macula. The main ways to prevent that are basically healthy diet, having a lot of vitamins that I mentioned before, you know, limiting sun exposure as well. So those are two of the most common ones. Glaucoma is another eye disease as well that occurs when there's very high pressures in the eye. And, and those high pressures in the eye can actually push against you know, the optic nerve, which is the cable that connects your eye to your brain, and it can damage the optic nerve. And that actually can lead to permanent vision loss. It will usually cause a vision loss in the periphery rather than the central vision. You know, a lot of times that can't be necessarily prevented, but having a healthy diet and having exercise and reducing eye strain can certainly help, you know, is something that we recommend for all patients, regardless of their age. Mm -hmm. So those are some of the most common diseases. Sometimes as we age too, you'll notice that your eyes can get very droopy. The fancy name for that is dermatochalasis. One of the most common types of dermatochalasis is due to eyelid rubbing, actually. Oh. So if you're a kid or a teenager, and you're always rubbing your eyes, you actually increase your risk for this type of eyelid drooping, dermatochalasis. And so we definitely recommend against that. So if your eyes are really dry all the time, and that's why you're rubbing them or they're itchy, you know, we recommend treating your dry eye disease or your itchy eyes. So you don't keep on rubbing your eyes. How do you treat dry eyes? Let's talk about that. It's a great question. So dry eyes is actually one of the most common diseases that people come in to see optometrists and ophthalmologists for. We always recommend artificial tears. Generally, we recommend preservative-free artificial tears. The artificial tears that come in the big bottles, they generally have preservatives in them, and those can be harmful to your eye. You can buy preservative-free ones. They come in individual vials that are kind of a twist top. You know, you can use them during the day. You can use them every couple of hours, and that helps with irritation, so you're not always rubbing your eyes. We always recommend preservative artificial tears. There's absolutely no harm in using 
them as much as you want you actually need to as much as you want. Yeah, there's no problem whatsoever. Some people too, if you are like deficient, so I know this because I am not the biggest fan of eating fish mm-hmm. and fish is very high in omega-3s and omega-3s are very helpful for your eyes, mm-hmm. especially dry eye disease. And so I, as a kid suffered from dry eye disease, you know, I still do. Eating fish is certainly helpful. Other foods with omega-3s like nuts, Um, They actually will help with that tear film of your eye and prevent uh, tears from evaporating. People who don't like fish like me, you know, uh, maybe that's not a large percentage of people, but, you know, they can take (laughs) omega-3 supplements and things like that. Flax seeds. I know flax seeds is really high in omega-3. Exactly. That's a recommendation. Those are kind of the initial steps. Doing warm and cold compresses, you have a, a washcloth and you put it under either warm or cold water and sort of place it on top of your eye. That can help with dry eye as well. Mm. People with more severe disease, there are different medications that we can give that will help with the, the tear film and help with tear production. We can even use the serum from people's blood to make tears specifically designed for themselves. Those are for very wow. advanced stages for probably the, the purposes of most of your viewers warm compresses or cold compresses, artificial tears, omega-3s, things like that. Yeah. And I noticed, you know, the other reason we rub our eyes is because of seasonal allergies, right? Because our eyes become itchy and watery. So we rub them too. What are your recommendations Mm -hmm. there? I mean, I know when we go to allergy doctors, they like take something like a Zyrtec or, or, you know, Allegra, Mm -hmm. what have you from somebody who is a professional when it comes to eye care, what are your recommendations there? Allergic conjunctivitis is what you're describing. Basically, (laughs) the conjunctiva, the surface of your eye can have allergies just like the rest of your body. How do we treat that? So, of course, when you go to a doctor, they'll give you some of those, you know, Zyrtec or Allegra. And we actually recommend that as well. But we can also prescribe eye drops for the eye that can help basically decrease those symptoms. Artificial tears can always help with both dry eye disease and allergic eyes. So we always recommend that. You generally can't find these eye drops over the counter, um, but if you go to an optometrist, um, they can give you these, these eye drops. One of them is called Patidae, the trade name for olipatidine, and it helps with allergic conjunctivitis. You can use that once a day along with uh, oral um, Zyrtec or whatever other allergy, um, anti-allergy medication you're prescribed, and those will, will generally help. Um, of course, if the allergic conjunctivitis doesn't respond to those medications, there's other things that we can do as well. But for the most part, those eye drops in conjunction with the oral medications are more than enough for people to feel better. Yes. And I know we certainly have talked about a lot of eye health and how to take care of our eyes today. So I really appreciate you. But before I let you go, I know we mentioned earlier about your book and your vision to share with little kids so they can start learning at a much younger age. So if our listeners want to find out more information about your book, is there a website they can visit? Where can they buy it? Can they follow you on social media? Let's share the information with them. So yeah, I mentioned earlier, um, I'm a co-author of these books called Medical School for Kids. Um, I actually write them with my fiance, Betty Nguyen, who's phenomenal, who have went to high school together and we went to undergrad together at UCLA. The series is called Medical School for Kids. Our website is www.mdforkids.org. It's uh, M-D-F-O-R-K-I-D-S.org. 
And we have um, an Instagram page as well at md.for.kids. You know, all of our books are available on Amazon as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you just type in, in the Amazon uh, search bar, like ophthalmology for kids book, it's the first one that shows up. The reason that we started this series was really because we wanted to share our love for these medical specialties with kids. I've actually shared these with some of my friends who didn't go on, who are my age in their 20s, who didn't go on to medical school and they read it and they're like, wow, like, you know, this isn't for kids. This is for like adults yeah. because I'm learning so much from <laughs> yeah. reading these books. I did too. I was like, <laughs> oh, this is like the basic foundation, but we might have learned it at one stage of our lives right. like in biology class or whatever but we forget <laughs> these things i looked at them when you shared them, and i was like oh this is actually really helpful for me too <laughs> thank you yeah so we try to incorporate real medical information into these kids books and teach it in a way that's very easy to understand very accessible with with pictures so as i mentioned we have different books released. We have the ophthalmology for kids book. We have the dermatology for kids book, neurology for kids book, which we're releasing a brand new book, cardiology for kids. That's actually already available. Mm. Um, and it was just released. We have a whole series planned for, you know, almost every medical specialty that exists. Um, our next one will be gastroenterology for kids wow. and teaching kids about where food goes after you swallow it, the oh, that's a good of diet one. and exercise. For anyone who's interested, definitely feel free to follow us on Instagram or visit our website um, for yes, more information. Absolutely. Now, I look forward to having another conversation with your fiance about another topic in the future, but really to yeah. continue to educate a young audience about their health. And we might know very basic or our parents don't know enough either. So let's start learning from a very young age so we can take care of ourselves. So thanks again for being with us today, Brandon. I really appreciate your time and learned so much from you today. Of course. Thank you so much, Vanessa. It's uh, been a real pleasure to chat with you. Hope you enjoyed our interview with Dr. Brandon Pham. And if you missed the first part of our discussion, please look for episode 83. What was your biggest takeaway? Are there any particular preventative measures that you will start incorporating into your daily lives? Let us know on our Instagram or Facebook page. And once again, thank you so much for spending time with us today And we'll talk to you in the next episode. Until then, have an amazing week.